Hello and welcome to the Help Me Understand podcast. Help Me Understand is a weekly podcast that explores the context behind the things that we experience from day to day. With topics ranging from personal development to parenting to health and fitness and more, join me, your host, J.K. McLeod, as I share my thoughts and also host conversations that are meant to encourage you to say, help me understand, in an effort to add perspective to the things we experience in everyday life. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Help Me Understand podcast first episode of the year 2023. So if you are listening in real time here on January 6th, that I want to say happy new year to you. Hope that you have had a uh, safe, healthy, and uh, productive transition from 2022 into 2023. And uh, that's actually going to be Friday for topic number one is I want to pass on a resource for um, really kind of stripping down how you're going to perhaps attack a particular goal that you have for the year 2023, whether you want to refer it as going for a goal, making a New Year's resolution, whatever it is, um, I want to offer up a resource. And this is from an organization called Because I Said I Would. If you've been a pretty pretty consistent listener of the podcast, then you've most likely heard me talk about Because I Said I Would, uh, the organization in the past. Um, It's an organization that I personally uh, really believe in. I'm very connected to uh, their mission and their purpose. And what I'll actually do is in the show notes, I'm going to link the uh, TED Talk from the founder of Because I Said I Would. His name is Alex Sheen. And you'll be able to uh, get the background and the story on the inspiration for why he started because I said I would. Um, It's a very, in my opinion, very impactful story. And really just to quickly summarize it um, from my perspective, the big inspiration for him starting the organization was to honor the memory and the legacy of the uh, of his father who had passed away and something that really struck me was him talking about him remembering his father as someone who kept his promises so because i said i would is um, for me a organization that really helps remind me of the importance of keeping promises So transition into this resource that they put out. I'm on their um, email list. And one of the resources that they put out not too long ago, I think this, I got this email maybe within the past week or week and a half was, I think they called it a new year's resolution planning guide or something along those lines. Um, As my grandfather would say, how be ever, if you do click the link to open up what's called the promise planner, what you'll see is that this is actually a really Uh, in my opinion, a very solid and um, foundational, very basic, like basic in a great way, not basic as him, like boring and and not cool, Uh, a very solid, basic way to think about how you plan to follow up on the promise that you make, whether that promise is a New Year's resolution, whether that promise is a particular habit that you want to put in place. And I really love um, this particular... uh, 
resource because it's called the Promise Planner. And what it does is first it has you kind of draft your word choice. Then it starts getting into things and I'm going to make it sound more complicated than it is. So I do definitely encourage you to click on the links that I'll have in the show notes here so that you can really see this uh, because there's while there are different pieces to it, it's laid out, I think, in a very, very uh, seamless way. Uh, really encourages you to think about different things. Like, for example, what other parties will be involved in making this promise happen? Uh, something I think that is a really impactful question to ask is what are some possible barriers to success? And it even gives you kind of a checklist of yes or no. So for example, um, under possible barriers to success, could traffic, transportation, or weather be a possible barrier, check yes or no. Could lack of adequate time or poor time estimates be a possible barrier to success, yes or no. Um, that's just a few. They, they list quite a few um, different things that could be possible barriers to success. And why I personally think that that's a helpful thing to have is because it really sparks those thoughts and sparks that conversation. If you're maybe have an accountability partner that you're working through this with, it really sparks those that conversation around things that you may not necessarily be thinking about. And I think that that's something that's pretty important to think about when it comes to this conversation around New Year's resolutions and why, from my perspective, a lot of the tide has kind of turned or the conversation has really started to change around New Year's resolutions. And what you will typically hear is this kind of for lack of a better way to put it, like this bashing of setting New Year's resolutions. And when you strip it down and you say, well, help me understand why people shouldn't set New Year's resolutions, then typically the number that's thrown out is like 90, I'm just th coming up with a number, 90% of New Year's resolutions fail and they typically fail. I think it's like by January 14th or, or something like that. Uh, don't quote me on that. However, um, that seems to be one of the very common themes these days. And I think that if you were to flip it and reframe that current narrative around there, around right now of why you don't set New Year's resolutions, well, you don't set them because they fail. Okay, well, can you, you can say, okay, we don't set them because they fail. So does that mean you only do things that have guaranteed success, which is kind of counterproductive to really, for me, that's counterproductive to the messaging that I have. So uh, I even just recently was in a conversation with a client who was talking about particular New Year's resolutions that they were going to set. And they they preface the conversations with, you know, I know that you're not into making New Year's resolutions. I let them finish what they were going to talk about. And then I just asked them, well, help me understand uh, why you believe that I'm not into New Year's resolutions. And it opened up a pretty good conversation just around um, the fact that a lot of the conversation, again, really that bashes New Year's resolutions is because they fail. And I think the the more important thing to focus on is, okay, well, why do they fail? And from where I sit and in the interactions that I have, and even in my own personal experience, it typically doesn't have to do with what the resolution was, like what the target was. It was how you went about or how I went about trying to do that particular thing. So I may have may have uh, set up basically a plan that was kind of like an all or nothing. I may have set up a plan that was really deeply, uh, deeply steeped in a lot of restriction. It was asking me to, to, to immediately flip the switch and be a person that I had never been before. So 
I kind of went went a little bit um, off topic there, but that's kind of the whole reason for uh, the Friday Four. So back to um, the main piece for this per this first part of the Friday Four is I'm going to suggest this promise planner from Because I Said I Would, and uh, I do strongly, strongly encourage. Uh, that you take a moment and just check it out and see if you think it may be helpful for you, a friend, a family member. I think this is even something that you can take and utilize as inspiration for maybe even working with your kids on things that they would perhaps uh, like to do. So for the person out there who is thinking to themselves, well, New Year's resolutions always fail. I shouldn't set a resolution. Um, things that you set as targets in the new year, they always fail or you know, the, the, the whole thing is you'll quit by January 14th. I would like to offer you uh, perhaps a resource that will maybe help you change that particular pattern, change that path, uh, because it helps with really sparking some conversation around like what are some of the barriers to success? What are some habits that you can put in place, some actionable steps, because that's even a, a portion on here. What are some actionable steps that you can take towards completing that particular promise? So that is Friday for topic number one is that particular resource on um, New Year's goals, resolutions, targets, whatever it might be. All right, going on to Friday for topic number two, a little bit of a story, and I, I think it's it can be somewhat related to uh, topic number one. Uh, one of the things uh, overall that I've been working on and will continue to work on is uh, being more targeted, more specific around uh, my daily movement. So when I zoom out and I wear a couple of different um, different fitness tracking devices. One of them does track uh, my steps overall. It's a, a Garmin. I have the Garmin Instinct. Yeah, the Garmin Instinct watch. And I wear that particular one primarily for uh, just tracking my steps overall. I actually have notifications completely turned off on it because I, I found that to be distracting and it's not really the thing that I needed. I did try to switch to one of those, um, I call them like an old school pedometers where you just like clip it to your, um, to your waist and it only shows the step count. Uh, I found those to be just wildly inaccurate. Like I would, um, I would be walking for like 30 minutes and it would log like 50 steps or something like that. Now, granted, I think that I maybe spent like $9 on the, <laughs> the one that I bought. So maybe there's one out there that's like a high end. Um, however, uh, back to the point, I have a, um, a step counter on my watch. And one of the things that I've been working on and will continue to work on is trying to be more targeted in the number of steps that I'm getting per day, which really is more about on the days where I am not required necessarily to do a lot of movement, then, um, and those are primarily days that I'm spending, you know, hours in front of uh, my computer working on programs for clients on calls and different things like that. On those days, I've just noticed that I don't move a lot at all um, outside of my training session for the day and then any particular like steps I may get in you know at the grocery store or doing some stuff with my son or whatever the case may be 
I really am spending the majority of the time seated. So those who are listening to this who have maybe like desk jobs, like very sedentary jobs uh, on those days, and it's just a couple of days out of the week. However, I just noticed on those particular days, I can relate to you because I'm basically like seated the majority of the day. And I was thinking to myself, like, man, you really would do well to try and get a better handle on some targeted movement on those particular days. So one of the things that I did was I bought one of those standing desks. So uh, took some time to really research, hey, what's what's one that's gotten some pretty decent reviews and all that good stuff. Found a model that I really um, that I really thought was going to be a solid one. It looked pretty pretty simple to put together. And that is, that is a key for me. Like that is a non-negotiable that if I plan to put this thing together, it has to be as, as dumbed down as humanly possible. Because one of the quickest ways to derail me from something is to make the steps complicated in order to construct the thing. So, uh, when it comes to like furniture, um, who is it like Ikea that's known for, you know, great deals and stuff like that on furniture. Um, however, if you, you end up having to put it all together yourself, I am not, I am not the one. Um, I will happily like pay someone, have someone else handle it. Like I would even pay exactly however much the furniture costs to have someone else put it together. So a uh, quick way to derail me is make something difficult to put together because I, I, do not currently have the patience to go through all of that. So I buy the standing desk. I'm able to put it together. I put it together in under 20 minutes, which is an achievement in and of itself. So went ahead and put it together. And I have a small, um, a small treadmill that uh, is fairly short. It's actually, I've talked about this in the past. It's not uh, rated for people my weight. So I rate, I weigh, I'd say on average right now, I'm somewhere in like the 240-ish range. So um, it's not weighted, rated, excuse me, for someone uh, 6'2", 240 to run on at all. So this thing, like my my 10-year-old son uh, will sometimes come down and like jog on it. Uh, I'm not sure if my daughter's like recently like hopped on it, but like my kids totally fine. They can rock on it completely fine. Me, if I tried to break out into a jog, which, you know, thank God, I don't really like running. If I tried to break out into a jog on this thing, it would most likely break. So I have this treadmill. My whole plan was put the treadmill um, underneath the standing desk, raise the standing desk. It's an electric model, so I can just press a button and it raises. Set that up and then you can work. Um, so as you're working on the laptop and all that other stuff, you can uh, walk and get some additional steps in as you are working on programs, on calls, different things like that. So worked on that over the past, I'd say like week and a half to two weeks, got the treadmill, the treadmill's been set up, but got the standing desk set up, um, figured out all the things I needed as far as getting power to the laptop and all that stuff. So over the last couple of days, I started using, um, using this particular system that I put in place thinking to myself, okay, this is going to be super helpful because then um, instead of just sitting for hours at a time, I can just slowly walk on this treadmill and work at my standing desk and get some additional steps in. So I did that for a couple of days and wasn't really paying attention to my step count like in the, in the moment, but I would do it for say like 20 minutes at a time, 
um, 10 minutes at a time, like here and there. So definitely more than normal. And then I go back and I'm noticing, man, it just doesn't seem, it's weird. Like my step count still seems about where it was before uh, on the past few months where I've been seated like pretty regularly for a couple of days a week. So then I start paying attention. So I think it was like two days ago, I started paying attention to um, my step count prior to starting to walk on the treadmill while I'm working at my desk and then my step count afterwards. And I noticed that it would not move at all. And this should should have been like a, a no-brainer for me right from the very beginning. You know, however, sometimes I'm, I'm just not, not necessarily the fastest. And I thought to myself, I, I realized, oh, snap because of the technology that is in the fitness tracking device. So whether it's Garmin, Apple Watch, Fitbit, anything like that, there is a piece of technology in there called an accelerometer. And that essentially, um, I'm not an expert here. I do know just enough to get by here. The accelerometer essentially is a pretty integral piece in getting an idea of your steps. And it goes based on motion. So what was happening is as I'm you know, you can't see me here, but if you picture like you are typing, your wrists pretty much stay stable because my wrists are resting on the desk or on the wrist pad or, you know, whatever I'm using, they're resting on that as I'm typing on my laptop. So even though I'm walking for 30 minutes, so I'm doing a standing walking session for 30 minutes, my hands or my wrist where my watch is, is staying stable on the desk because obviously like I'm trying to work and things like that. So I'm not swinging my hand. So what was happening is that I'd be walking for 30 minutes at a time, but because my wrist was not swinging, then my device was not registering that I was getting any additional steps in. And I bring it up just because, well, one, I just wanted to share that story and I, I needed a second topic to talk about. And um, two, just it reminds me of the kind of the joke that goes around where it's like, you know, I did my workout, but I forgot to start my watch. So did my workout really happen? Or, you know, I went for a run, but I didn't log it. So I, obviously that's not me, I'm just talking about somebody else who might go for a run, but I didn't log it. So did the miles even count, you know, or, um, or something along those lines. And I was thinking to myself, so this is, this is one of those reminders of the numbers don't always tell the entire story because over the past week, I have very intentionally and purposefully reminded myself when I'm about to be seated for an extended period of time, hey, you know what? I can go do work on the standing desk and walk on the treadmill for 30 minutes instead of sitting for this portion. Like it's not necessary for me to, for me to be seated. And even though I was taking those steps, like dad joke, I was taking those steps, uh, doing those things, it didn't register as far as my overall step count. At the end of the day, though, I knew that I did put in the work, even though my tracker didn't say that. So it's it even opens up a reminder to me to remind you all, those that are listening, uh, that this is one of the differences when it comes to especially like fitness programs and different things like that, that solely go based on numbers and don't have any opportunity for you to enter in or have any sort of communication around like, 
your your biofeedback and different things that you're doing. So although I'm not currently working with a coach, I typically have worked with a coach for like the past few years. Uh, but although I'm not currently working with a coach, I do still have a tracker myself and I still put notes in my tracker to remind myself about certain things because I want to be able to then reflect back on that at some point when I do go back to work with a coach again, I can be able to say, hey, here's some things that were going on. So instead of then looking back and the coach may say, man, it just looks like that step count, you know, two to three days out of the week, your step count is like super, super low. It's like, no, take a look at my notes. What you'll actually see is that's when I, you know, was implementing this new system that I have and I'm actually getting in more steps um, on average. It's just the tracker, you know, the tracker isn't going to show that because my wrists were basically stationary the entire time. So just a reminder about um, the importance of the human aspect uh, as you are chasing or uh, moving through, I should say, your health and fitness journey, that it's not always going to be, uh, the, or the numbers are not always going to be um, dead on accurate because there could potentially be steps that you are taking and things that you are doing that don't show up in the numbers, but the work is still being done. So I just wanted to throw that out as topic number two. Interesting how you know me buying a standing desk turned into this whole thing. All right. And then um, topic number three, uh, really, this one's just a thought. And uh, this one, I think, segues pretty well from, um, from my last thing about getting in more steps. A common, uh, a common goal or resolution that I will hear uh, from people and that they'll share with me is that they want to improve their focus on their nutrition, whatever, you know, whatever steps that may be or however they want to define that, I guess I should say, when it comes to moving forward, they want to improve their nutrition. So in many cases, it's improve their nutrition quality. And when when someone is talking to me about that, if it's like a friend or something like that, and they say, you know, I'm really wanting to improve my nutrition quality. Um, I definitely don't feel like all or nothing is the way to go or in restriction and things like that. One of the things that, that um, I will share when they ask me, hey, what are some things that worked for you? I remember way, way, way back when I first felt like, okay, I can do better than what I'm doing right now. And this is back when I first started my, uh, my actual focus on intentionally getting better with my fitness and with my focus on nutrition. For me, it was about just trying to make better choices than the ones I was currently making. So um, a big step at first was moderation. So um, understanding uh, signals like hun hunger signals, understanding like how much food was enough food to really eat at that time. Uh, I would just kind of move past the red light of like, man, I, I'm definitely full, like I'm stuffed here. And I would just keep going and going and going. So um, that was one of the things that, um, that I first did was really just tried to work on getting an understanding of what moderation was for me. And then also starting to implement things that made it easier to grab the things that I felt like were going to be more nutrition-based choices or more nutritious choices. So for example, uh, at the time, I didn't really do any sort of pre-shopping for snack foods that were fruit or vegetable 
based. I would do shopping for snack foods that was like, you know, my potato chips and um, candy bars and stuff like that. And while I did still buy potato chips, candy bars, and all those other things, I also started to buy things like like the steamable ba- bags of broccoli or the small like bags of carrots, um, apples. I'm I'm a big. I'm still to this day. Uh, I started my health and fitness really focused on that in 2010, I think 2010, 2011 ish. And I still, to this day, like apples are my jam, by the way, if you don't think that honey crisp apples are the king and queen of all apples, then you're, you're just wrong at that point. Um, maybe we'll start a little bit of a debate. Um, how be ever here. Uh, my point in this is when I first kind of started out, one of the things that was very helpful to me on top of first getting an understanding of what moderation could mean for me individually and i want to stress that for me individually another piece that was very very helpful to me was to make it easier to grab the things that i felt like would continue to move me forward as far as you know wanting to i had a desire had a desire to include more fruits and vegetables, but I wasn't really taking the steps to even make them quick, fast, and easy to grab. And why I was reminded of this was the other day when uh, I was talking to somebody and their, uh, their daughter was with them and their daughter said to them, hey, I'm going to bring you lunch later today. Um, the person was going to be leaving to go to work. And the daughter said, to her mom, hey, I'm going to bring you lunch or I'm going to bring you food, I think it was. Um, Do you want something healthy or do you want something fast? And it really struck me because it was, it just, uh, it was like just that reminder back to when I used to think, okay, well, if I want something fast, then I mean, this was my thinking at the time. Well, if I want something fast, then it's got to be something like a bag of chips or a bag of pretzels or, you know, something like that. Like that's pretty much the only options. And at that time, those were the only options that I had because I had done no prior preparation. Like the thing that was easy for me was the stuff that I had shopped for. I didn't make other options fast. So my my desire with sharing this particular topic is just to think about like, think about that question. Like, do you want something healthy or do you want something fast? And, and there doesn't, I mean, healthy can be fast also. And I know that I'm leaving out a very large portion of the conversation here that could definitely turn to, you know, Hey, are you trying to get into the narrative of healthy versus unhealthy and and all that stuff? listen, for now, miss me with that whole conversation. Let's save that one for later. My my intention with this particular topic is just to perhaps provide some inspiration to um, at least one person out there. And I truly mean that, like at least, at least one person uh, who's kind of feeling like, man, I know I want to do better. I just feel like it's overwhelming. I don't know where to start. So first, or one of the things that Uh, I want to pass on to you is think about ways to make decisions easier, faster, and quicker. So as you do go to the grocery store and you're grabbing like the normal stuff that you grab, whatever that may be, 
include other options that you feel like move you closer to the types of habits that you want to have, like include those other things and think about efficiency. So think about those times when you've worked all day, you get home, and the last thing that you want to do is spend 30 minutes preparing a meal at that moment. Okay, so think about that as you're shopping in the grocery store uh, or as you're ordering your, you know, your food, Instacart, whatever you use, think about, okay, the things that I'm ordering right now, are these things that move me closer to the habits that I'm trying to implement? Or am I buying all of these things that I know are going to take me 45 minutes to make a meal when I've never been the person who's going to spend 45 minutes making making a meal? Like if I can get just a little bit closer to that to that habit that I'd like to see. So grab, you know, grab things that you can make quick and easy meals out of that you that still include the fruits, the vegetables, the good portions of protein, like different things like that. So that's what I wanted to pass on for topic number three. Okay. And finishing things out here um, with topic number four, very transparently here, I kind of struggled to figure out if this should be just a topic for the Friday four, or this very well could be really its own episode. And it may end up being one in the future. I want, I want to just share uh, my reflections on some of the interactions that I've had um, around the story with what happened to Damar Hamlin. So if you are unfamiliar with the name Damar Hamlin, uh, Damar Hamlin is the safety for the Buffalo Bills. For those of you who are not aware, the Buffalo Bills are are and have been since I was probably in middle school, my favorite, uh, my favorite football team. So this past Monday night, um, in a very routine football play, routine routine tackle Damar Hamlin who is a safety for the Buffalo Bills he tackles wide receiver uh, T Higgins and uh, he falls to the ground he stands up seems like routinely stands up and then collapses to the ground um, there ends up being an ambulance brought on the field CPR is administered um, within I believe it's about one hour or so somewhere in the 40 to 60 minute range the NFL cancels the game like first they suspend the game and then they cancel the game um, as of the recording of this episode and this is uh, this is a episode that is being recorded and released on Friday uh, as of the latest news, which this is fantastic news. Um, I've got a big smile on my face right now. Um, Damar Hamlin is um, awake and responsive. And I believe the last update that I read is that they have removed, um, removed the breathing tube or the breathing machine um, that he was on. So thank God for that. Um, what I wanted to talk about though was an interaction that I had with an acquaintance who, via social media, had started sharing a particular perspective that they had, which admittedly, like from their, their point of view, was going to be an unpopular opinion. And uh, the opinion or perspective that this individual shared was, you know, who's thinking about the the kid who this is the only game that they would have been able to attend and that particular game got canceled and um, then sharing started making some additional 
some additional posts that started talking about, and I'm trying to summarize here, I don't want to put words into that person's mouth, I'm just trying to summarize it best as I can from memory, started talking about, um, you know, these, these athletes are paid an exorbitant amount of money to perform, and I understand that it was, you know, a tough event that they saw, however, like, the show basically i'm going to re i'm going to phrase it as this person basically said hey the show should still go on because something that's important to remember is that there are people there that it might be their only opportunity to see an nfl game or whatever the case may be then also shared the perspective that you know there are people especially medical professionals um, who see trauma every day and the general public from this person's opinion, the general public doesn't seem to support them when they need time off. And what about their mental health and different things like that? So I reached out to this particular individual via social media, because that's where they were posting the things. I reached out to that person via social media, and I just asked, what's the end game with the things that you're posting? And I admittedly, at first, when I was reading and trying to, when I was trying to understand what the person was posting at first about really what I felt like was this opinion that basically like these guys are paid very, very well to play a game. And I understand that this bad thing happened. However, like bad things happen on the football field all the time, like that sort of a thing. Who, who's actually thinking about like the kid who it's the only game he could go to and you know how his experience was affected and different things like that. So my first, my first reaction before really reaching out to this person was, wow, and like that's, that's pretty, pretty heartless because you're essentially just treating these athletes like they don't have they don't have a heart, like they don't have mental health challenges. Like they didn't just witness something that was traumatic and they don't deserve to have feelings. And I'll be very transparent with you. Um, athletes and mental health is something that I, I don't know exactly why. I just know it's very front of mind for me right now. It's just something that, um, is coming across my radar more and more and more. Um, just getting an understanding or trying to seek out more um, opinions and commentary and podcasts and things like that about athletes and mental health. In fact, I just a few days before the um, this incident happened on Monday night, I want to say the weekend before, I had just listened to an episode of the ESPN Daily podcast, which I'll put in the show notes, actually. Uh, I'll put it in the show notes. It was an ESPN Daily episode. It was a re-air of an episode that J.J. Redick did, and J.J. Redick was a um, former star at Duke University, basketball star at Duke University, and then played quite a few years in the NBA and now has a wildly popular uh, podcast, I believe, and he's a commentator. Uh, but he talked about his struggles with mental health, and there was a great conversation, I feel like one of the more transparent conversations about athletes and mental health and really about mental toughness versus mental health and how those terms are, are viewed in the um, in the sports arena, um, in the community. And I was thinking about that as I was really having an internal reaction to what this individual was posting about how the athletes, how it didn't seem like the athletes feelings mattered in this because he felt like, Hey, 
these guys are paid really well, like $20 million, whatever to play a game, like the show should still go on, you know, give them some time, but they need to get back out there. And so I reached out to the person and said, Hey, you know, talk to me about what you feel like the end game is here. And, uh, best as I can summarize what the person shared was, I think a perspective that is important to be heard. I don't agree with it. However, this is help me understand, not help me agree. So the perspective that was shared was this person remembers growing up um, with a lot of financial strain in their family. And so he remembers being able to finally go to a professional sports league game. And he just thought to himself, um, what would it have felt like if the one time that his parent was able to save up enough money to take him to a professional sporting event, that sporting event was canceled. It was, you know, you were there and the sporting event started and it was canceled. And again, while I don't agree that that would be the priority in a case like this, I think that that in some cases it can open up a much wider conversation about what I think is a part of the problem that we have that I think is finally starting to be talked about, but the problem that we have with how we view athletes and really just overall entertainers, because athletes from my perspective, I think many times are kind of in the same boat as entertainers. It's just, they're pretty much putting their body on the line for your entertainment. Like when it comes to football, basketball, hockey, like any sort of like physical contact sport, like they're putting their body on the line for the entertainment of people in the crowd. And when it comes to, you know, actors, um, comedians, uh, different things like uh, music artists, different things like that, they are they are performing and there seems to be this this view opinion perspective that if someone is paid x amount of money then they just got to suck it up and screw their mental health screw how they feel i sacrificed financially and otherwise to come see you you like you better do your job and while the person didn't necessarily say it that way and this is not about that individual so that's what i want to want to try to to transition this conversation to is this isn't about that individual this individual just was at least willing to voice something that i think other folks perhaps feel and though the difference is those other folks may have understood this is not the time nor the place for this conversation to occur and i think for me that's that was probably the part that for me was getting the most um the most internal like emotional reaction was this is not the time nor the place to have that particular discussion from from where i sat um so I just think that, you know, I don't have like an ending point to this particular topic. I think there's a further discussion to have around this perhaps 
I just, I just hope that this particular incident that happened, like first, thank God that he's, he's going to, as of right now, it seems like he's going to recover and that he'll be okay. Like, thank God for that. And I think that I really hope that there is more conversation that starts to happen about how we really view athletes. And uh, so this isn't necessarily like my a piece on, on DeMar Hamlin. It's also like what really struck me and what got to me as I was watching that game was the reaction of his teammates. So I remember even saying to the person who was standing near me as we were watching on the screen, I remember saying to him, like, Josh Allen looks shook. And Josh Allen is the quarterback for the Buffalo Bills. And even as you, um, if you were watching, and you can probably go back and you can listen, listen and watch the ESPN commentators, they were struggling with even what to say. Nobody wanted the microphone. Nobody wanted the camera at this point. Uh, you know, Ryan Clark, uh, who's an ESPN commentator, former player who had his own health challenges, uh, even when he was talking. I mean, you could just see that this was striking these, these guys on a very different level. So the both the commentators and then the players on the field and these players, like these guys are used to seeing violence. They're used to seeing injury. This one hit different. Like this was on a whole different level. So I just, I'm, I'm hoping that we can start to move, like let, let this, let this momentum open up a larger conversation that needs to be had. And then action that needs to be taken into people putting action behind the words that they say and the things that they post about caring about the mental health and caring about um, like the struggles of others. Because, you know, to, to try and somewhat wrap this topic up, I think that as many people that are out here showing their support for Damar Hamlin and his teammates and anyone who had to witness what happened on that field on Monday night for as many people who are having that conversation. You also have other people who are starting to now, you know, open up a bit more conversation around some of the other stuff that they care about, which is like, well, what does this do to my fantasy football team and different things like that? And you may write that off as some internet troll who's just a jerk and a douchebag who's just toast, uh, not toasting, posting this stuff online, just a troll and whatnot. You may, you may write those people off as like they don't matter and they're the scum of the earth and whatnot. I hate to tell you this. Those are some of the same people that you are spending time on this planet with. And it just may be the fact that they're hiding behind a keyboard or a fake name or a profile with no picture and different things like that. So I don't say that to be, um, to try and instill some feelings of like suspiciousness or is that a word? Suspiciousness, uh, suspicious, uh, thoughts or, um, negativity or things like that. My intention with saying that is to try and bring you to the reality of this is this is why I am so bought into the help me understand thought process of 
you know, just like I reached out to my my acquaintance and I said, what's your end game, which was another way of me kind of basically rephrasing, like, help me understand where you're coming from. I wanted to understand, like, not necessarily just where you're coming from, like, what's the purpose? Like, what are you hoping to accomplish with all of these things that you're posting? And at the end of the day, you know, I ended up commenting back that I completely disagreed and I now have a better understanding of where the person was coming from. And from where I sit, a lot of what they were, a lot of where it was coming from was deeply rooted in um, pain that they felt that, or yeah, pain that they could feel if they were back in that situation where they had a parent who had worked so hard to get them to a game and then the game gets canceled. I just think that at the end of the day, there's, there's definitely, I think, a powerful conversation to be had here and action to be taken about when, at what point are we going to prioritize the, the, li- the life of someone who is in the entertainment field, whether it be sports, whether it be movies, whether it be um, music artists, you know, different things like that. You know, you've had artists who've canceled uh, tours based on like stress and different things like that. And they're, you know, again, a lot of what's said publicly will be like this overwhelming support. It's just a matter of, okay, are those the conversations that are actually happening? And are those the actions that we're taking? Okay. So with that, I'm going to wrap up. Um, I'm going to wrap up topic number four here of the Friday Four. So as always, if you've stuck around this long and you have listened, I sincerely, sincerely appreciate it. If you do have any sort of feedback or, or anything like that, um, easiest way to uh, interact with me and reach out is via Instagram. I'm on Instagram as Coach JK McLeod. McLeod is spelled M C L E O D as in David. Uh, feel free to reach out. If you did feel like this episode was um, impactful, thought provoking, perhaps maybe brought up um, a perspective that maybe at least has you now feeling inspired to reach out to somebody else and say, help me understand. I hope that you do that. Um, please, you know, please share the episode with anybody that you feel like it may impact in hopefully a positive way. And with that, thanks again for listening to another episode of the podcast, and we will talk to you next week. Take care.